big question is this, how do we use the eight frameworks inside the new science of physical health to overcome this statement? Personal responsibility for your physical health is a myth and it doesn't work. These eight frameworks do. They will make you more physically healthy than 98% of people in the community that you live in. Why don't we get started in today's episode right now? Hey everybody, welcome back here to episode number 76 of the Daily Drop Inside the New Science of Physical Health and this continuing series here, The Language of Life Inside Your Body. And today we're going to look at cardiac hypertrophy. Now, we get straight into it because it's a continual follow-on of the previous episodes. And I'll tell you what cardiac hypertrophy is straight away. Then I'll come back and talk to you about one of the Um, I've given a theme in each of these episodes about the language of obsession of us, you and I, knowing a lot about the things that are interesting to us, that are important to us. But as I've been contending and my supposition's been throughout this series, we don't know the language of life inside our body because we haven't had the opportunity in all of our learning years to be able to become obsessed with that. Some of us do, but not many. And my contention is, it's that lack of understanding, lack of involvement, and knowing about it that causes people to be not interested. So we've got to share that with people. And that's what we're doing in this series. So cardiac hypertrophy is thickening of the heart muscle. It's an increase in cardiac muscle mass. Cardiac means heart muscle mass. And when cardiac muscle fibers thicken, or the cells become enlarged, due to chronic and increased stress on the heart. And I'll talk about what causes that in just a moment. So just before we dive into the rest of cardiac hypertrophy and the health adaptation that helps to dramatically prevent cardiac hypertrophy, which can be very dangerous, can be a disease that causes death or certainly permanent sickness or the need for major surgery. I'll talk about the language of one of my other obsessions, something I know a lot about, just off the top of my head, and this one not quite so much off the top of my head because it involves dates. When I was in high school, I studied a subject called modern history. We had a three unit and a two unit in the 12th grade, and the three unit was like advanced modern history. And in that one, we studied presidents of the United States of America and of Russia between the years of 1945 and 1984. 1984 was the year that I left school. So here are some of the people that I know who were presidents of Russia um, in that time period. So Leonard Brezhnev, he was uh, from the 14th of October, 64, to the 10th of November, 82. 82 was the, I was in the 10th grade in 1982. Then Andropov, uh, Yuri Andropov, he was from 82 to 84, so only for two years. Then there was Chomenko and... uh, Konstantin Chemenko was from 84 to 85, so February 84 to uh, 85. And then after that one, the one that a lot of people from America know, and you'll hear why in just a moment, is Mikhail Gorbachev. And he's the guy, if you remember, he's the guy that looked like he had bald head like me, but he had a birthmark on his head, kind of an embarrassed, I guess not embarrassingly, because just is what it is. But I remember growing up when I was studying him, because he took over on the 10th of March, 1985, um, it looked like he had an egg on his head. But he didn't, but it was a birthmark, and I feel a bit embarrassed about thinking that now, but that's what I used to think when, just after I'd finished high school. When Because I never lost my love and my interest 
for presidents of Russia and presidents of the United States because I spent so much intense time during the year 11 and 12 studying both. So if you go back in America, it was Harry S. Truman, a Democrat president, 45 to 49. Then Truman again, he won again. It seems like a lot of them have two terms. So 49 to 53, he won. Then it was Eisenhower, who started in 53, finished in 61. Then it was the famous John Fitzgerald Kennedy, JFK, who sadly was assassinated. Then Lyndon Baines Johnson took over from him. Now, Johnson didn't win another um, term. Uh, who took over from him was the uh, infamous, I guess, Richard Nixon, Richard Milhouse Nixon. That's a pretty cool name, Milhouse Nixon. In fact, I've stayed in the town where Nixon was born in Los Angeles. Um, I was over there in about 2012 or 14, staying with a friend who lived in the same town that Nixon was born in and grew up in. So I found that to be to be pretty interesting, actually. Um, then there was – so he had two terms, and then obviously he didn't get to see – all of his second term because he had to resign. Then there was, um, or was forced to resign, I think it was. Then there was um, Gerald Ford. Uh, he was also a one-term president. Uh, J- uh, James Jimmy Carter, who's still alive today. I think um, Jimmy Carter, President Carter, is like 95, something like that. I'm sure I've seen President Biden has uh, from the United States now has had a photo taken with President Carter and his wife. He's the oldest living president. And then the one who um, I basically grew up as a young adult with and we heard a lot about here in Australia was President Ronald Reagan, who started in 1981. At that time, he was the oldest president uh, in history and obviously now uh, Biden is. So, um, But Ronald uh, Reagan and Gorbachev, uh, a few years after I left high school, I think it was 1989, that the Berlin Wall, the famous Berlin Wall was torn down and President Reagan from the United States uh, had that famous quote, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. So I know a lot about the presidents. I could go through and tell you bits and pieces about each one because I've either seen a lot in movies or I've studied a lot since during school that I remember and after school as well. But it's a topic that interests me. Um, Like I'm very interested in all the different things about, you know, you know, what happened with Richard Milhouse Nixon, why he was forced to resign, and, you know, what was the evidence behind that? And I've gone into to read some of the stuff that comes from the from the libraries in the United States of America, even though I live here in Australia. You know, um, where was Lyndon Baines Johnson when he took the oath of office after um, President Kennedy passed away? All those types of things. I know that off the top of my head because it's just something that I've become interested in over the years, and I've followed those in particular over those years. And I'll make the comparative analysis again, but people, you will follow. So far, I think I've mentioned about maybe four or five different topics that I am either very obsessed about and I know a lot about off the top of my head or even mildly obsessed about that I know a lot about off the top of my head as you get older. You will have your own topics as well, but I would wager that for the bulk of people, whether it's you or whether it's the people you care about and or influence or responsible for, I will wager that they don't know about life inside their body and probably haven't heard of cardiac hypertrophy. Why don't we do this? I'm going to switch to, transition to, a medical explanation of cardiac hypertrophy. And it's got a few different, it gets a little bit technical, but not, not overly technical. You'll understand it. And then I'll come back and I'll finish off briefly with some uh, things that are related to what we've talked about with health adaptations from physical activity, the correct dose of physical activity, and impact scores. All right, I'll be back in just a moment. Let's listen to this medical explanation 
of cardiac hypertrophy. Hypertrophic cardiomyopathy is a condition where the walls of your heart thicken, often caused by an abnormal gene. In order to understand this condition, it's important to know the main parts of your heart. Your heart has four chambers. They are the right atrium, the right ventricle, the left atrium, and the left ventricle. A muscular wall called the septum divides the two sides of your heart. Your heart pumps blood in one direction through four valves. They are the tricuspid valve, pulmonary valve, mitral valve, and aortic valve. The job of your heart's left ventricle is to pump oxygenated blood throughout your body. This provides your body with the oxygen and nutrients it needs. Hypertrophic cardiomyopathy usually affects your left ventricle by thickening its walls. This happens because your heart muscle cells grow bigger. In some people, scar tissue may form between the muscle cells over time. Even though your cells are bigger, your heart stays about the same size. As a result, your left ventricle can't hold as much blood. The left ventricle may also become stiffer, contract harder, and relax less between contractions. These problems make it harder for your heart to fill and pump more blood, as is needed during exercise. Hypertrophic cardiomyopathy can be non-obstructive or obstructive. If you have non-obstructive hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, your heart has thickened walls, but the walls and mitral valve do not block blood flow out of your left ventricle. In obstructive hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, the heart has thickened walls as well, but the septum may bulge into the path where blood leaves the left ventricle, called the outflow tract. During contraction of the heart muscle, the mitral valve is pushed toward the septum, which narrows the outflow tract and may prevent closing of the mitral valve. This can cause backflow of blood into your left atrium. The size of the outflow tract may change during the day. It may become narrower or widen based on your activity. A narrowed outflow tract means more pressure and heart work are needed to push blood out of your left ventricle to your body. This pressure difference is called gradient. All right, so that gives you an idea of what it is from a doctor's point of view. It's this thickening of the wall of the heart. And what we know is that people who don't have the correct dose of physical activity, some people, many people, can develop a thickening of the wall. But the only time you'll get to know that is to be diagnosed by a cardiologist. But think about the logic of this. You won't get to know about a thickening of the wall because you can't feel it happening until, or people you care about, until you have the need to go to a cardiologist. Nobody I know goes to a cardiologist for preventative reasons. They go to a cardiologist when they've reached a diseased state. As one open heart surgeon told me, Dr. Hugh Wolferden from uh, Sydney, he's an open heart surgeon, does one to two operations a day, four or five days a week. He said to me one time that when he operates on people, the horse is bolted out of the top paddock. That's an expression we have in Australia. You might have it in different parts of the world of people who are listening to this, but it simply means that the, the heart's already become diseased. Here's what we know about health adaptations with the correct dose of physical activity. We, um, Science, and particularly from a research paper that I've taken from a team of professors, including Professor Wisloff from up in Norway, who I've mentioned before, shows that aerobic exercise training, which is the correct dose of physical activity, and a sp specific intensity 
appears to me an important factor in the influencing effects of physical activity because, listen to this, high intensity, so that's high heart rate, ex-physical activity, delivers superior or faster cardiac adaptations. And people with things like, this is another disease, metabolic syndrome, or you've heard of this one, type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure, hypertension, that can, that actually helps drive cardiac hypertrophy, fitting of the heart walls, um, or ischemic heart disease. Those types of people get faster cardiac adaptations, which means that you have a less or a reduced risk, if not very minimal risk, of developing cardiac hypertrophy if you have the correct intensity and the correct, we call it a dose of physical activity. But there's only one way that I've ever learned in 33 years of being a qualified health and physical educator. Only one way I've ever learned about how to track the correct dose. And that's through the clinically validated health software that, um, has been called, that has been called in some circles by some educational leaders, the new standard of tracking health outcomes. That's the software that we have that you can get a link to in the show notes. Because I'm very excited about the concept of having an impact score in that software, which is clinically validated, means it's been, and I've said this before, and if you haven't, if you've missed these previous episodes, I might not state it again. The original study to validate the impact score, so you get a score based out, out of 100 points, you can go over 100 points, but the aim with the impact score is to build it up to 100 points and stay there. And that causes maximum health adaptations from physical activity and helps to drive down things like cardiac hypertrophy. So 45,000 people in the world's largest heart study out of Norway called the Hunt Study was what originally went into that that data went into the development of the clinically validated health software that we have. Then over time, that expanded to over, this is an incredible number, 730,000 people to prove that this correct dose of physical activity, achieving the correct impact score, will drive down your risk of a cardiovascular event because it gives you the correct health adaptations. And in particular, it slows down the risk of things like having high blood pressure, which can help, that causes the stress to help drive up the risk of getting a cardiac hypertrophy, thickening of the heart wall, and it also drives down the risk of what's called a myocardial infarction. Myocardial is, means heart tissue. Infarction means death. So myocardial infarction means heart attack. That's what it means. And death of heart tissue may be a small section or totally, and that means the heart. That means we pass away, like my father did, aged just 46. So if people understand the idea that there are health adaptations, one of the health adaptations is to drive away the risk of cardiac hypertrophy. That's a pretty simple, straightforward concept. This one today hasn't been super in-depth. I can tell you now, though, after reading the um, paper where I got this info, this content from for today's episode, there are biochemical processes in this which are, for the average person, way beyond this, me included. Like the chemistry and molecular changes are fascinating. I've read the paper and I go, I'm not quite sure. I get most of the paper, but there's some stuff that is just beyond me, beyond my level of education. 
So we don't, and we don't need to know all those things. We just need to know the things we've put together here and the basics that if you don't get the correct dose of physical activity, you risk, or the people you care about or influence risk, developing cardiac hypertrophy. What does that do? Is a precursor to a cardiovascular event that can cause permanent serious sickness or premature death, either of those two things. Most people never even heard of cardiac hypertrophy. So that's it for for today's episode. We're back with, I think, on this molecular benefit map that we're going through. I think we're we're going to be back with another two more episodes in this one, and then we move on to the impact quadrant, which is all about physiological changes, not so much molecular changes or structural changes. Really excited about that one, the impact quadrant, because there's a whole lot of stuff in there, some of which you've heard about but don't have a, uh, a deep knowledge about to create deep engagement. So thanks for joining me in today's episode, everybody. Number 76. Oh, I said the right one at the start, and I have to look up what episode I'm actually recording. I'm recording 76. So tomorrow's one is 77. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining me. It is so exciting to share with you. Talk to you soon. Bye for now.